0: Hello, good morning, Crossroads family. I am Allie Gardner, and I am the children's director. Um, And I always wear dresses, and today I realized that I'm speaking, and I don't have a pocket to put a, a mic in, so I get a handheld today. And I'm so grateful. I'm looking out in this audience, and I'm seeing some kiddos in here today, which God knew exactly which person needed kids in the audience. So I'm so grateful you're here Welcome, everyone. If you're online, we just want to welcome you. Thank you for being part of the service today. And I know that many of you know a little bit about me. Some of you know that I absolutely love to run. That is like one of my favorite things to do. But I can bet that most of you actually have no idea how that love began. So I'm gonna tell you a little story. I was eight or nine, and uh, I was being Malvi, and. I was being really rude to my grandmother, and she smacked me in the face, and I stopped. My grandfather was the one that always disciplined, so when grandma did, you better pay attention. So Grandma standing across to me, this is a little lady, and she's looking up at me. I'm sick and tired of your attitude. Go get your shoes and meet me outside. So I knew well enough not to argue because she gave me the look. Kids, you know the look, right? When mom and dad said do something, yeah. So I ran and got my shoes, and when I went back outside, my grandmother was already out there. She would brought out her kitchen chair. She was sitting in that kitchen chair sipping her lemon iced tea. She looked at me and she said, You're going to run from that tree to that bush until I say stop. I started to grumble, and she just, just run. So I did. I ran from that tree to that bush over and over. And each time I ran by her, I made sure she got a piece of my mind. And she'd just smile, sip her tea, And say, just run. So I kept running. After a little bit, I recognized something. I wasn't mad at Grandma. I wasn't mad at her at all. There was a season of life that we were in as kids. My grandmother had taken in her grandkids to raise them in a season of trial and pain without complaint. She showed up every day for us. And here I was, Malviner. So the next round, I went by. I'm sorry, Grandma. I'm not mad at you. I'm so sorry for treating you the way that I have today. Just having a rough day. Grandma smiled and said, thank you. Just keep running. Okay. Okay. So I kept running. Eventually, the the anger seeped away and the tears fell in place. And I started processing the season of life that we were in and the struggle. And my dad had passed away and I was hurt and I was broken. And drugs and alcohol had consumed our lives. And I didn't know what to do. But as I was running, I started to recognize that my body started to relax. I started to feel this this thing in my chest that felt like it was squeezing me to death start to release. And my grandma recognized it when it happened, too. I ran by her and she said, You about done? And I thought for a second and I said, Almost, but not quite. She said, all right. When you're ready, you can meet me in the kitchen, and we can talk. She got up, and she went inside. My grandmother gave me a tool to cope when I was sick and tired. When I was feeling overwhelmed by the world, when I was feeling crushed and broken and having a hard day, she gave me this tool in this season of my life that I needed. And maybe you're in a season right now today where you're recognizing a little sick and tired. Maybe you're a kid and you just started school and recess is not nearly long enough to give you enough time to wiggle. Maybe you're a teenager, you're two weeks in and you're like, work, schoolwork, practice, where am I supposed to fit my social life that's only two weeks in? How am I going to make it through a month, let alone a year? Maybe you're a young adult and you're broke. Anybody who's experienced that, you know what that feels like, right? Maybe you're a parent of little ones. Man, it feels like this season is real long, and you're so tired, and you think, Will I ever sleep again? Maybe you're in the season of sending a kiddo off to the military or to college. And there's this piece of your heart, you're so proud of them, but this piece of your heart feels like it's been ripped out and you have no idea how it's ever going to heal. Maybe you're an empty nester. Or you're single. Or you don't have kiddos and you've wanted them. And you're just feeling lonely right now. You feel alone. Nobody's there to need you anymore. You're struggling with purpose and drive and what do I do next? The world tells you, I I got a story for you, I can help you to fix it. Most of what the world tells us to do involves three things numbing escaping or avoiding There's a pill for that Just have one more drink Just binge on some cookies or binge on some Netflix or binge on cookies while you're binging on Netflix Just shop a little bit more Just work a little bit more Just do a little bit more just run a little bit more. You know, in the book of Matthew, Matthew, who is a follower of Jesus, walked the earth with him, watched him heal, watched him love, watched him pour out his blood for us. Matthew recounts a story about how Jesus tells us we need to cope. It comes from Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. These are Jesus' words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As I was praying over this scripture that God just kept popping out to me, that this is what I needed to focus on, that there were people that needed to hear this message, it struck me that this is actually a three-part series. We're only gonna focus on the first today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. That first word, come. Not prepare yourself, clean up your life, fix it and then come, come. I don't care where you're at. A grumbling little eight year old, terrified of the world, sitting at home right now on your couch because you're afraid to come to church because you've been hurt by church people. Come. All of you. Every single one of you who are weary and burdened. Scripture words for sick and tired are weary and burdened, by the way. And I will give you rest. I know that throughout scripture, there's many stories and examples of people who have felt the same way as us. In the Old Testament, we hear stories of the weary and the burdened. Abraham and Sarah were burdened with a barren womb. If you're a leader, you might connect with Moses. Moses. He was burdened with lots of complaining from people he just rescued and wanted to help. Job was weary with grief for his loved ones. He lost everybody he cared for. And man, when David was hiding in those caves, he's like, I'm getting pretty tired of being chased. But there is one story from the New Testament that really spoke to me this week. And I wanted to share it as an example of what it looks like to come to Jesus when you're feeling weary and burdened. This story actually comes, you'll see it in a couple of the different books written by the followers of Christ. This one's actually, I'm coming from today, in Luke 8, 43 to 48. And here's the beautiful thing. This story we can relate to today because I think we've all felt illness. We've all felt sickness. This story comes to us from a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. She is sick, she is tired, she is hurting. And at this time, if you were bleeding, you were considered unclean in society. You weren't allowed to be in town. You weren't allowed to touch people. You weren't allowed to be touched. Because if you got touched by that individual who was considered unclean, you too would be unclean. And you had to go outside of society, pushed outside of town and community, until you were clean again. This woman had lived on the outskirts of town and had spent everything she had to get well. So not only was she disconnected from human contact, community, people to love and care for her, she was broke. She had no money. She was alone. Now it was during this time that Jesus his name is starting to make its way through all of these places. Cuz he's doing miraculous things. He shows up and lame men are walking. He shows up and demons are running. He shows up and blind men see. And this woman knew that Jesus was going to be her answer to healing. She was the epitome of sick and tired. And one day, Jesus is on his way to heal a uh, religious leader's daughter who is sick and dying. And as he's coming through this community, this town, all these people are hoarding around him. Because wherever Jesus went, people are curious. They're wanting to know what is happening. And they want to see some of the things that they've been heard and that have been rumored that is coming with this man. And so all these people are surrounding Jesus, and he's trying to push his way through this crowd to get to Jairus' daughter. And here's what happens. This woman sees this throng of people, and she does the unthinkable. She breaks the law. She pushes her way into this crowd of people because she believes one touch of Jesus. And she will be healed. So she makes her way through this crowd of people. And she reaches out and deliberately grabs the edge of his robe. And in that moment, she felt healing. She knew in that instant moment that she no longer had to be cast out of society. She was clean. Now in the middle of this joy that I'm sure she's feeling, Jesus stops, and he stops the crowd, and he's like, uh, who touched me? His disciples are falling around like, uh, master? Everybody? 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 Like, who are you talking about? Everybody's touching you, and he's like, "No. Somebody deliberately touched me." So in my head, I'm imagining this scene where everybody just stops, and this woman who is standing there in this beautiful, glorious moment of joy recognizes. He you knows. I broke the law. I touched him. And Jesus already knew. He didn't stop the crowd for himself. He stopped it for her. He needed her to hear and to see that Jesus saw her in her moment of need and pain. And this woman, she collapses in fear at the fate of Jesus, and I'm so sorry. I had to touch you. I've been broken. I've been lost. I've been alone. I've been hurting. I've been sick and tired, and I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I knew one hand, one touch, I would be delivered. I know I broke the law. I was not to be here. I'm not to touch anyone. I am so sorry. But you've healed me. And in that moment, for the first time in 12 years, this woman experienced unrelenting compassion and grace. I imagine Jesus just grabbing her at the elbows and lifting her back up, looking her in the eye and just saying, daughter, your faith has healed you. But the first time she's been touched in 12 years, it wasn't a brush away. It was a drawing of in. You are here. You are healed. Now go in peace. Man. What would life be like if we experienced that unrelenting grace and compassion in all of our interactions every day? Or we felt the healing of God when we actually deliberately reached out. How different could our lives be? I've come a long way since the little eight year old running child. But I still need ways to cope and I still love to run. There are points when I'd go out and I would run 100 miles a month, and I would have conversations with God because after I processed all the crud and I let go of everything, my mind would wander to Jesus, and we would have the greatest conversations. I started calling my shoes my come-to-Jesus meetings. All right, let's come to Jesus today. I'd go out, and I'd let my feet beat the street, and I'd just get it all out, and then I would connect to my Savior. And I would feel that tension releasing again. And the next day, I'd feel it build up, and I'd just go and do it again. In January, I had a major hip surgery from an injury. And it went, it was a little more extensive than they anticipated. And the surgeon, actually four of them, took that many to convince me, that I would never run again. So, what do I do now? There was a particular day I was feeling extremely sick and tired. I can't even walk. I'm in Alaska on the snow and ice and have crutches. That is not a fun thing to do, by the way. And I thought, well, how am I supposed to have my come-to-Jesus meeting now? Now what? And I remembered this book that I'd read called Two Chairs. In this book, the whole premise is about coming to God, taking deliberate time with him every day. I do that. I do that already. But now what? And the other part of that book, though, was the idea is that in our busy world, and all the worldly wisdom that tells us, just do this, just try that, numb this, escape that, avoid that, do more, run more, that we're not actually slowing down long enough to take deliberate time to reach out to Jesus. So instead, the idea is to pull up a chair for Jesus. One for you, one for him. So I thought, well, it's worth a shot. So I sat, and I'm not going to lie, I had my running shoes on because I thought, oh, you know, (laughs) couldn't hurt. For the first time in my life, I recognized what it meant to deliberately come to Jesus with all the broken, all the hurt, all the frustration, and I didn't need to clean anything up. I didn't need to run it out first. I didn't need to be ready. I just had to come. I never needed my shoes. I just needed this. I just needed to come. There's a beautiful quote from A.W. Tozer that reads, The man who would truly know God must give time to him. So, this week, I'm going to challenge all of you to take some time. Two chairs, 10 minutes, and just come. I want you to make time and space to experience His presence and His grace. And if you're not a believer, just try it. Sit in the quiet and see what happens. Kids, this is for you too. This world is spinning way too fast sometimes. You don't need to run away from it. You just need to come. And here's what my hope is, is that you'll find, just like I did, Jesus was already there. I just needed to recognize it. And it is the best conversation I have all week, every day, two chairs, ten minutes. And here's what else I know. Jesus will meet you right where you are the good, the bad, the ugly. He knows it all. But the beautiful thing is, He won't leave you there. Just come. Let's pray. Oh, Father, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God, thank you so much that you ask us to just come. That you require nothing else but our presence, not our perfection. Just come. God, this week, help us to remember that Something as small as two chairs in 10 minutes can help us deliberately reach out to the God who wants to give us rest and healing, who wants to help us to see what it looks and feels like to experience unrelenting compassion and grace in the midst of this chaotic world that we live in. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for your love. And we thank you so much, Jesus, for your willingness to allow us to just come. In your name, amen.